you guys for having me. I know that most of you don't know me at all, so it's a real privilege to be able to come and have you listen to me uh, share the word of God with you all. I feel like I've just I'm swooping in on the last week, and I have to like give you all the last word on this book. So it's a lot of pressure. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Um, are you in the last week of semester now? Second exams? Do you guys do you guys do exams here? I used to, my Greek lecturer, um, he used to do this thing, you'd get into the exam and you'd be like, it'd be two minutes before the start of perusal, you know, we're like shaking, and he really wanted to like give you this last minute advice, so he'd be like, okay guys, when it starts, just breathe, remember everything, and um, just write anything, that's what he'd say. If you get nervous, just write anything, just write your name, that's kind of what he wanted us to have ringing in our ears as we went into the exams every time, um, and I kind of feel like that's what's happening here. We've got this last instruction from Paul. Yeah, you didn't know it had started, did you? Um, I've got this. Um, we've got this kind of last word from Paul in this letter full of instructions. He's going to give us his last instruction. Um, that's what he wants to say to us today. That's what I'm going to say to us today. But before I unpack that instruction, let's pray. I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for these brothers and sisters that you've given to me to speak to today, we ask that your word will shine as a light not only into their lives but um, into mine, that we'll sit under this together and that we'll go out from here refreshed by the grace of Jesus and ever more confident in him. Amen. All right, so we get straight into it from verse 10. Paul says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. This is his last word and this calls us to cast our minds back over everything that Paul's written in the letter so far, which you guys have been hearing over the last few weeks. Uh, right before this bit, we've had about two chapters of really practical instructions for Christian living. But we know that these instructions aren't just arbitrary. They're founded on a calling, which Paul has explained to us through the first part of the letter. We know these Ephesians are supposed to live in a way that makes sense of the fact that they've been predestined for salvation. They're united in Christ. They're to love each other. It's people who are spiritually bound together with a love that's rooted in the way that Jesus has loved them. That's the reasoning. That's, that's the reasoning for how they're supposed to talk to each other and handle their emotions and use their bodies and relate to each other in community. These instructions that Paul's giving them, they're just reasonable responses to the truth that he's been reminding them of. And now, with all of that in view, he wraps it up by charging them to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. That's his last instruction in this letter, full of instructions. So why? Why does he leave them with this? You only say, be strong, if there's a reason that they need strength, if there's some kind of threat coming. It's like I don't say, I don't say to my husband, he likes, he likes to go running. He's a runner. Um, he goes running. <laughs> um, he's got this black T-shirt he likes to wear. He goes running in the dark. And I always say to him, be careful. Don't get hit by a car. Maybe wear a different shirt. Um, but when he's going somewhere safe, like when he gets back, he's going to have a shower. I don't go, be careful, you might get wet, don't drown in there. I only say be careful when there's a real need to be careful. And Paul tells the Ephesians to be strong because there's a real need for them to be strong. So what's the threat that he's warning about? It's in verses 11 and 12. Paul says, you guys will need to be able to stand against the wiles of the devil against the rulers, authorities, cosmic powers of this present darkness, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Whoa, 
pretty scary stuff. Um, I don't want to get hung up on this though. I don't think Paul is trying to give us an exhaustive list of all the species of demon that might be flying around. It's not what he's doing. What he's doing, the point he's making is that the Ephesians need to be ready for spiritual challenges. They need to arm themselves against spiritual forces. See, I think all the stuff that Paul's been saying about loving each other and living in peace, it sounds like very practical instruction, and it is, but it's a coding. It's this kind of shiny coding on this spiritual reality that's operating under the surface. I want to say that the act of Christian living is an act of spiritual warfare. If we're going to come out on top, we're going to persevere to the end of our lives without being overcome by all this evil stuff that Paul's warning us about. We're going to need a spiritual defense. He says that our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh. Do you guys remember, I love this bit of Luke, uh, I think it's there in the garden, Jesus is getting arrested, the Pharisees are there, and one of Jesus' friends kind of like loses it and cuts a guy's ear off because he thinks, and Jesus goes, no, no, he actually he, he fixes the guy's ear. He says, no, mate, calm down, that's not, that's not the kind of fight that we're in here. And it's, that's, Paul's saying a similar thing here, he's saying our enemies are not physical. It's a really, really weird thing for Paul to say, considering the fact that he He's writing this letter from prison. Like, he's, he's locked up right now. His bonds are physical. He's in chains. But he doesn't say to the Ephesians, I need you to fight the oppressors of Christians. He doesn't tell them to break him out of prison and like, punch the Romans in the face. He says, no, be ready for a spiritual fight. Be ready for a spiritual fight by living for Jesus according to the instructions in this letter. I don't know if you guys have ever thought about your life, your Christian life as an act of spiritual warfare. But as we live daily for Jesus, it's a spiritual war that we're, that we're waging. Because, I mean, we know that we live in this tension where the victory is sure, it's assured, but it's not yet over. And we're called to participate. We're called to stand firm against these spiritual enemies. We're going to need spiritual tools to get it done. And in uh, verse 13... Paul says the end of this game is we, we've got to be able to withstand on the evil day. Now, this evil day, he might be referring sort of generally to this evil uh, last time that we're living in as history's getting ready for Jesus to come back. But I think I read this as he's pointing us to the last day, the final day of judgment. Because as we're going to see, the next few verses have a very kind of end times eschatological sort of flavor. I think he's calling us to do everything that we can to make sure that we're still standing as Christians on that last day. That we're going to be able to take refuge in our enduring unity with Christ, which he's been telling us about all through the letter. That's going to save us from judgment. So we're going to spend a couple of minutes now just looking through this list that he gives us in um, verse 13 up to verse 17. Um, I have spent the last week or so, or more, applying for um, PhD programs. Um, no illustration, I'm just showing off. No, <laughs> no um, I've found something really interesting about the application process for these PhDs. There's like this, um, they have this cursory level of interest in like, uh, what's your topic, what marks did you get? Because um, they can look that up, right? They can check that I've like academically qualified to do it. But what I've noticed, what surprised me is um, they're really interested in how I'm going to actually get through it. They want to know, um, you know, about my, my mental health, my personal management strategies. They want character references. They want to hear about my support network. 
And for one of them, I had to write this list. Like I had to write a list of all the tools that I had in my belt to sort of get through the degree so that I would get through the three years and the 80,000 words and be able to kind of stand up and say, yep, I'm finished. And I kind of thought of that when I was reading this list in verse 13 to 17, but the thing is the Christian life hopefully is going to be a lot longer than three years. The stakes for us are a lot higher than whether I get through my PhD or not. Now, I don't know that Paul, uh, that uh, Lee warned you that I'm into the Old Testament, Song of Songs. I'm going to do my best now to preach the Old Testament from Ephesians. Um, these five verses, they're packed with images from Isaiah. I don't know if any of this sounded familiar to you guys as you were reading it through. But the picture that we get from Isaiah, the thread that runs through that, is this picture of God readying himself for like a final battle. He puts on righteousness like a mantle and he's coming to avenge injustice. He's coming to save his people. So as we read these verses from Ephesians, our heads should be full of this prophetic prediction of a final judgment, the way that the whole earth is one day going to fall before God. Some of us are going to fall in worship. Some of us are going to fall before his sword. And Paul mixes this in with the image of um, Christians, the soldiers. You know, we hear this in a lot of his letters. He talks about the Christian life as the life of a soldier. Um, so I, the way I think of it is that if, if Yahweh, the old, if the God we see in the Old Testament is the Lord of armies, then we, his people, are his soldiers. But we are not called to be literally violent. In fact, if you notice the list, if you look through it, there's actually no weapons in that list except for the last one, which is the word of God. Paul's not describing an armory here. He's describing a suit of armor. The battle is the Lord's, but our job is to defend, is to stand firm. So I'm going to skim through this list here, chat a little bit about each element of it. We armor up. First, we put on a belt of truth. Now, from Ephesians, it says that the word of truth is the gospel of salvation in Ephesians 1. There's a truth about how we are to live, and we find that truth in Jesus, Paul says in Ephesians 4. So that's the big truth that we've got in mind. And we put on a breastplate of righteousness. In Isaiah 59, God dons a breastplate of righteousness. In response to injustice, he puts on righteousness like a breastplate. So it's his righteousness that we're thinking about here. It's God's righteousness that we take hold of, that we share um, through our unity with Christ. And Paul says, as shoes for your feet, put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. It reminds me of that bit from Isaiah, how beautiful are the feet of the messenger who brings peace, brings good news. Um, we're waging a spiritual battle, but our weapon is the message of peace. It's a peace that Paul has told us that tears down the wall between Jew and Gentile, tears down the wall between humanity and God. And then if you drop down to verse 16, the shield of faith, it says, with this you'll be able to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one. This word for shield, it's thureos in Greek. It was this big um, shield, I learned this week, that could cover your whole body. It was made of wood and it was covered in leather. And so um, if the enemy shot flaming arrows at you, it could catch on fire. So presumably you'd drop it and then they'd get you another way. Um, but Paul says, no, with, with our shield, with our shield, when they, shoot, when, the, when, when they shoot the arrows at you, the flaming arrows, those arrows are going to be quenched. That's how great our shield is. Because who is our shield? Again, if, if we've got our heads in the Old Testament, we know that the Lord is our shield. 
Our shield here is our faith in the Lord. That's, that's what binds us to Jesus. That guarantees that he's going to shield us from the judgment to come. And in verse 17, we put on the helmet of salvation. Again, in Isaiah 59, God put a helmet of salvation on his head as he readied himself to repay the unrighteous. The helmet is our hope, our hope that on the final day of vengeance, we're going to be saved. We're not going to be destroyed. And finally, Paul says to wield the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, I said before, this is the only weapon that he mentions in this whole list. So our only mode of attack is to proclaim the word of God, to proclaim the gospel. That's our sword. I think of Hebrews where it says the word of God is like a two-edged sword. And I think in the context of Ephesians, you know, it's not only a sword that divides, but it's a sword that unites. As we proclaim the word of God, sure, it's going to divide God's enemies from his people, but it's also going to unite more and more people into that unity with Christ and into the community of believers. So all of that stuff, that list, that's how we're going to get through. That's our spiritual defense. That's how we're going to stand firm. And looking over it, I kind of think, well, Paul's just found six different ways to say, trust in Jesus, talk about his gospel. It's pretty simple. It's not very sexy. It's not very exciting. This, this is our task. As we live our daily lives as Christians, as we follow the instructions in Paul's letter, we've got to keep anchoring that stuff in this, this last, this most important instruction. Trust in Jesus. Talk about his gospel. That's how we win this spiritual battle. That's how we're going to stand firm all the way. I mean, that's what we're doing here at Bible College, isn't it? We're talking about the gospel. I think it's really easy to lose sight of that when you've got your head in exams and assignments and you're passing Hebrew and debating stuff. But I want to encourage you guys to please keep your eyes on the prize, okay? The whole point of what we're doing here is to be strong in the power of the Lord and then to go out and help other people to have that strength too. Um, I've got a friend of mine from Bible College, Lucas. He's a great budding academic in the name of Jesus. He wrote something about theological education. It said, theological college is a slice of the church with extra learning, not a community of learning with extra God. So the main purpose of theological study is not turning saints into scholars. Its purpose is growing saints through scholarly pursuits. Is that what this community feels like to you guys? Is that what your experience of theological study is like, that you're growing as saints, that you're helping other people to grow so that together we might be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. So Paul, after this bit, he just reminds us of two other things that we've got to do to keep going in that strength. And I'm going to remind you of them quickly too, and then we're going to land it. So I said before, Paul, he doesn't ask his friends to bust him out of prison. He doesn't ask them to fight for him in a physical sense. He only asks them for one thing. He says, can you pray? So when we've, when we've wrapped ourselves in this kind of spiritual, protective spiritual armour, we don't just stand there. We've got to turn our faces to God. And the way we're going to persevere, we're going to persevere in prayer. He says, pray in the spirit at all times, in every prayer and supplication. Keep alert. Always persevere in supplication for all the saints. It's very emphatic. There's this sense that prayer is it's continuous and it's, it's frequent and we've got to take every request to God. We've got to turn to him always and we've got to pray for everybody we know. And that's totally not what my prayer life looks like. So I'm not going to stand here and just say, oh, Paul says pray more because that would be 
trite and hypocritical. But what I love about this verse, the way it encourages me, is that Paul's not going, okay, well, make sure you pray before breakfast every day, tick the box, this is done. He's, it's, it's a picture of ongoing intimacy, like this real sense of connectedness, of always being in communication with God by his spirit. And we are connected to him. Like if what, if what Paul has said about unity is true, the spirit lives in us. So it makes sense that we should be in, in continuous dialogue, constant intimacy with him. And it's something that we do in community. We've got to pray for each other. That's the other thing that Paul's sign-off kind of reminds us of. I feel like from verse 21 it gets a bit pedestrian. He's like, oh, no, that's all from me. Tikikis, I'll tell you the rest. Love from Paul. I, don't, I never know what to do with those love from Paul bits. But I feel like um, this is just a practical demonstration of this truth that Paul's been telling us all along in Ephesians, that the Christian life is all about unity. It's not, it's not a solo endeavor. Because of Christ, we belong to each other. We're actually, we say we're family, but we're more than family. We've got to stand shoulder to shoulder in the ranks of God's armies. We pray for each other. You know, when, you, when your brother or sister doesn't have that strength to keep going in the Lord, you remind them of God's strength. You pray for them to take refuge in that. I feel like this is especially important when you're going through a real life-crushing endeavor like theological college or ministry. You guys need each other. Because if you, if you go on to do ministry, if you've done ministry, you'll know this is true. Who looks after the ministers? It's the other ministers. That, that has been my experience. It can be really hard to keep going as a Christian when you're studying the Bible. It can be really hard to keep going as a Christian when it's your job to keep other people going. So we need to keep pointing each other to these sources of strength that Paul's laid out for us, to the truth of the gospel, God's righteousness, our faith, the hope we have of salvation. That's how we're going to endure in strength until the last day. We're going to get each other there. Now I'm just going to land in the last verse of Paul's goodbye. And if you're learning to exegete Bible passages at college, please take note. I'm about to read way too much into a verse that was not written directly to me because it reminded me of a story that I want to tell you that I think will be really encouraging and a good end <laughs> to the sermon. So don't do this at home. But anyway, I <laughs> um, so I went to Bible college um, and my college experience was really amazing. I, Dion was there for some of it. So what more could you want? Um, <laughs> It was amazing. I, seriously, I loved every minute of college. I had this really great cohort and we all had really great plans, as you do. And now, when I think about that cohort, it's um, not even five years later. I think of through the faces of those guys and those girls that I went to college with and all the plans that they each had. And like some, some people's plans are working out amazing. Great for them. Some people's ministries are going great guns. I'm also seeing the faces of people whose ministries didn't work out in some cases whose marriages didn't work out, um, you know, people whose kids got sick. I'm even thinking of one or two people who have walked away from faith in Jesus, people who, who weren't strong, who didn't stand firm. And when I was in Bible college, um, my husband was in ministry. He'd graduated a couple of years earlier and he was, he was burning out slowly but surely while I was going through college. So when I graduated, it wasn't like a big fanfare to go on to study and church planting, which is um, what we had planned, but uh, it was a bit of a crash and burn, actually. Um, my husband was really unwell. He had depression, couldn't work for a while, um, and marriage was in a really rough place, and it just it felt like it was dead. It felt like 
ministry was dead for us. Um, we even sold our theological library because it was like, we're not going to need those anymore. Um, that was, so that was a pretty low point. And it was a couple of years before I could even kind of walk back through the door of my old Bible college again and feel safe and comfortable. Um, what I did, I went back to do something and I ran into a guy that I had been through college with. And um, he was telling me he and his wife are about to go into a new ministry and um, he's pretty apprehensive about it. He's not sure if it's a good fit. He's not sure he's going to make success of it. He's really nervous. Um, he's just really worried about what it's going to look like, but he's been really encouraged to do it. Um, and I, I just looked at him and I said, oh, you know what? Don't worry. I burned out. It was fine. Like it was, it was actually fine. I still love Jesus. And, um, and he looked at me and he laughed, but he said, yeah, that's actually a great encouragement. Um, because I was able to remind him that the most important thing, it's not to make a big success of our ministries or of our lives, but it's that we get to the end and we still love Jesus. And I was reminded of this when Paul says, in this final verse, he says, Grace be with all who have an undying love for our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the end game. That's what winning the spiritual battle looks like. It's to experience the grace of Jesus. It's, it's to love him with a love that doesn't die so that we won't die, so that we'll be out of shelter in our faith, so that we're going to stand with him in victory on that last day. That was Paul's hope and prayer for his friends as he closed his letter. It's my prayer for you guys as we close this book. So I'm going to pray it for you now. Let's pray together. Lord, you've spoken to us today from your word. We're really thankful for that. And we ask that this word would resonate in our hearts as we go away from this place together. We ask that you'll help us to wield your word wisely, not only to divide your enemies from your people, but to unite more people to the body of Christ. We pray you'll let us stand together in the ranks of your armies. Help us turn to each other to be reminded of the hope we have in Jesus. Help us pray for each other, point each other to love him with a love that does not die. Through all of this, we pray we'll be equipped to fight against these spiritual forces that threaten to overcome. Help us to live our daily Christian lives as an act of spiritual warfare. Give us your strength and empower us to be strong in you. We ask, Lord Jesus, will come quickly. Amen.